0: Mark, the book of Mark, the book of Mark chapter 10 is where we're at today. We're in week 33 of our Dirt Roads series and we are in Mark chapter 10. I'm thankful for God's word. I'm thankful for our commitment to God's word. We have spent a long time in this book and I've enjoyed it. I'm thankful for it. Um, sometimes when I have to preach on things that are in this book that I don't want to preach on, I get nervous. I'm going to be honest with you. And, um, and a sermon like last Sunday's, you know, you preach it and you're like, all right, let me say amen and <laughs> walk outside and see what, you know, see what's ha- see what happens. And, um, I'm just thankful. There are many, we preached last week on marriage and divorce. If you've not, uh, if you weren't here, you weren't able to listen. Um, I encourage you to do so. We tried to give a full biblical approach from Mark 10, starting in Mark 10, when Jesus is asked the question. Um, but I'm just thankful, man. We have we have people in our church that are uh, that have been divorced in the past. We have people in our church uh, that look back on those things, and all you know, ev- as you know, every single circumstance has a unique uniqueness to it. And I'm just thankful so much for God's grace, and um, and that's what we talked about last week. This week is a little bit different. Mark 11 will begin kind of the final days of Jesus. His triumphal entry will start in this, this following chapter in chapter 11. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll speak on that next Sunday. But as Mark closes out chapter 10, he does so, I believe, by highlighting three themes, three elements of his life um, that we have already seen in this book. Hence the reason why I'm not going to divide this last portion of Mark chapter 10 up into three different sermons because I feel like that we have discussed these three elements uh, already in the book of Mark. I do want us today to drive home these characteristics and truths of Jesus. We're calling today's sermon simply profile of the Savior. And the book of Mark highlights a lot of acts, a lot of um, a lot of things that took place in his life, a lot of miracles that he performed. There's a lot of things that have gone on in the book of Mark. But may we not miss the the person. The book of Mark was highlighting Jesus as the, the servant king, as the one who came to serve, the one who came to humble himself. And I think about that. I don't know what Jesus means to you. I don't know how much He's changed your life. Uh, I don't know what, what you were and what you are. I know some of your stories. I don't know all of them. But I do know this. If you are a believer in Jesus and you have a true salvation experience in him, then Jesus has changed your life. I heard just this past week a man say, takes just enough grace, just as much grace to save you out of a life of sin as it does to save you and prevent you from a life of sin. Aaron mentioned, and Julia both, being raised in Christian homes. Don't, we, may, may we never tell our children, you know, hey, you just don't have a story like that recovering addict has. You don't have a story like that person that went out and and made all these mistakes has. And certainly we don't. And guess what? That's by God's grace. It's by God's grace. It's because of Jesus this morning. And we're going to profile him. We're going to talk about Jesus this morning. That's the centerpiece of scripture. It's the centerpiece of the gospel. It's the centerpiece of everything that we do and everything that we are here at Keystone Church. And may I just say that he's been good to me. He's been good to my family. Um, he's been good to my kids. Um, and I'm thankful this morning. I wish that we had time today to let you tell how good God's been in your life. Our Thanksgiving service, which we'll mention at the end of today, is going to be a time where you can tell us and testify about what God means to you and what Jesus has done in your life. And may I say, may we be quick to do those things. When those opportunities arise, may we be quick to testify of how good Jesus is. Can we do this? Can we pray together? And then I do want to dive into this somewhat of a longer portion of scripture today, but that's okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. And we come before you today asking you to speak through your word, asking your Holy Spirit to guide us, to illuminate truths about you, Jesus. Uh, illuminate truths from your word about you uh, that we can take and it can transform and change our lives from the inside out. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want us to see first of all this morning in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 35, I want us to see the servant savior, the servant savior. Now we alluded to this text a few weeks back and so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spend all of our sermon here even though it would be very easy to spend all of our sermon here today. But let's look at Mark chapter 10. Verse 35, if you have your Bibles, great. If not, we have our verses on the screen. Verse 35 says, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, by the way, if you're a parent, if you ever have a kid come up to you and say, can I ask you a question and you promise me you'll do it? Get out of that situation. Whatever that is, that is not a good situation, right? But as a parent, how many of us, and I'm guilty of this, how many of us have said, hey, listen, I'm going to ask you to do something. Now, will you promise me that you're going to obey before I tell you what it is? You know, we've put our kids in that situation before. But here the disciples put Jesus into this this situation. Obviously, Jesus being 100% God and all-knowing understands what's about to take place. But teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Jesus, we're about to ask you a question and we want you to do whatever we ask. Verse 36, And Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they, James and John, say, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand, and the other on your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. are, Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said, we are able. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and with the baptism I am baptized, you will be baptized, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. Jesus, in these couple of verses, is alluding to the fact that we've mentioned this, that Jesus uh, was tempted like we were. His humanity was on full display. And so he experienced the things we experienced and we experienced many of the things that he experienced. Verse 41, and when the 10 heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. Why would you ask Jesus this question? Why would you uh, confront him in this way? But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who, co- who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. For uh, but whosoever whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom. For many. You remember the sermon, I believe it was uh, four or five weeks ago, where we spoke about the, the disciples walking home on the road and they were arguing among themselves who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus responds with, hey, the greatest will be the servant. The servant will be the greatest. And this is a nod back to that uh, text in the previous chapter here, as Jesus once again highlights the fact that if you want to be quote unquote prominent in the kingdom of God, Prominence in the kingdom of God is won simply by humble servanthood. Prominence in the kingdom of God, the way to be first in the kingdom of God is to serve others. And ironically, we won't serve others if we're trying to be first in the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? It's this weird thing. It's like if you're trying to be first in the kingdom, you're selfish, so you're not serving others. So what Jesus is saying is if you would just concentrate on serving other people, then I will take care of everything else. Disciples, don't worry about who's going to sit on my right hand, James, or my left hand, John. Don't worry about that. You worry about serving other people. Listen, we have a church structure here. And ironically, this month, we are highlighting uh, four leadership families in our church. And we have some other layers uh, somewhat kind of organically in our church in leadership, but we're not a big church on titles. We're not big on that. You want to know why we're not big on that? Because we just want to serve. We just want to serve. We don't, we don't, we don't create a, a chairman of the whatever so that we can walk around and go, hey, I don't know who you think you're talking to, but I'm the chairman of the whatever. And then he happens to be speaking to this person over here, and they're like, I don't think you know who you're talking to, because I'm the chairman of this other whatever over here. Y'all been there? I, know, I see y'all laughing. Y'all been there? I'm going to call out some of y'all's old churches on the live stream right now. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Would never do that. But listen, that's why we're not big on titles here. Hey, listen, you want to get involved at in Keystone, Keystone Church? We can tell you every way to get involved. You want to lead at Keystone Church? Hop in and start serving. Hop in and start serving. We have a family who just uh, started a connect group, started leading a connect group. They've been in our church for less than a year, and they're already leading in the connect group. Do you want to know why they're already leading a connect group? Because they said, hey, Aaron, you need some help in the kids? Hey, I'm serving the kids. Hey, you need some help with the worship? I'll I'll, I'll serve in however way you'd have us serve. Hey, you need some work done around the church? Hey, when when I'm not at work, I'll be here. I'll serve. I'll help. I'll, I'll tear down walls. I'll knock holes and stuff. I'll do whatever. Listen, we find people like that and we say, hey, listen, that's what we want. That's what we want. Hey, listen, I'll come in and I'll serve. And then before you know it, you serve and you serve and you show you're faithful and you, and you do things like that. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, would you be willing to lead? Would you be willing to lead? And Jesus is teaching this here in this, this text, the servant leader. Look at verse 43. I want us to see it. Look back in your, in your Bibles or it'll be on the screen here. Yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all because the son of man, Jesus is saying, he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Philippians chapter two and verse seven, Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond and coming in the likeness of. Of man. And Jesus walked this earth and he had all power. He knew everything. He was 100% God. But he walked this earth as a 100% man to serve other people. I like how he refers to himself in this text. He doesn't refer to himself as the son of God in this text. Did you see it? We just read it. Back in verse 45. Even the son of man. It's the 100% man side of Jesus. Saying listen. I came to serve. I came to serve. May I say today, if the Son of God would humble himself to come and serve, boy, would you and I, could we humble ourselves to come and serve? As a pastor, one of the most difficult things that I get is someone who says, hey, I'd like to talk to you. I'm like, I can't wait. Because most of the time people always say, I want to talk to you. And they're like, hey, man, I just want to let you know I'm having a great week. No, that's not what happens. <clears throat> and um, I love this. Someone early, early last week said, hey, next week, Sunday, can I talk to you? And I was like, sure, after church. This is always better than before church. church. Um, after church. And I won't, I won't embarrass this person, but uh, they came to me the day before church. They're like, hey, real quick, I'm not gonna be able to staff your church, so I want to talk to you real quick. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, you know, I'm ready to preach. You know, you know what it was? Hey, I've had a burden for a specific ministry and serving in a, in a specific way. And I'd like to talk to you about ways that I can make that happen through our church. And I was like, Psh, thank you, Jesus. Serving. listen. That's what, I wanna, that's what we need in our church. Hey, Josh, how can, how can this burden that I have in my heart that God has given me for serving our community, how can we make this work through our church? Man, if y'all want to meet with me about that, let's meet every Sunday. I will set up time slots and we can just meet all throughout Sunday. Listen, Jesus, we're highlighting Jesus. We're profiling Jesus. And if we are to be like Christ, if we were to be imitators, James chapter 5, of God, then we must imitate in this, in this realm of service. Serving. You say, I don't know what to do in serving. Well, number one, if, you would just, if you'll see me afterwards or see Aaron afterwards or see Jeff afterwards, I promise you, we will help you find a way to serve. But let me say this. We're blind in certain areas. I come to this place all the time. If you see something that needs attention, then by all means, I'm cool with that. If you walk in and you're like, hey, somebody walked in earlier, didn't know they had bubble gum on the shoe, and now there's bubble gum out there on the, then by all means, go clean it up. Listen, as, as God has given us this building, if we walk down that hallway and we see a piece of trash on the ground, let's bend over and let's pick that trash up. You say, Josh, is that, yeah, I'm talking about like that kind of stuff. Like all the way down here where we live. How can we serve? We walk outside and we see a family. And I, I love this. We, we had our, our anniversary service two weeks ago and we had some, uh, some, some protesters out there. Uh, they weren't protesting us per se, but they were making their way around the park and they passed by with their loudspeakers. And I still have no idea really what that was all about. Uh, but you know what I loved? I went over there to kind of talk to them. And as I was going over there to talk to them, we had some of our people show up with boxes of food to give to them. And so I'm like, as you move on down the street, Here's some food for you to eat. But just serving people. Here's an opportunity. Can we serve them? Jesus, the the serving, the servant savior this morning, the profile of Jesus. But secondly, I want us to see, and I put both words here, the healing, restoring savior. You see, Mark, as he does, because Peter is dictating many of these things to Mark, And Peter is a very much, let me tell you this story, and then let me tell you this story, and let me tell you this story. He moves directly into verse 46 in chapter 10. Now they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David. He was the son of man in verse 45. Bartimaeus here cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, louder, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise. He's calling you. There was a lot of people around. Jesus was on his way somewhere. He was going, leaving the city of Jericho. And he hears this man and he stops. This man, verse 50, he threw aside his garment and he rose and he came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Man, if Jesus ever asked me that question, what an awesome question. Especially to a blind man who sat back. Who sat begging on the side of the road? Hey, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, "Rabbi, that I might may receive my sight." Then Jesus said to him, "Go your way; your faith has made you well." And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. There's a lot there. As I told you, I could have very easily preach these three points that I'm going to give you today as three standalone messages. So forgive me today if I don't dig like super, super deep in each one of these texts, but I do want to finish the book of Mark at some point in time, okay? He's healed. He immediately follows Jesus. I love it. He had sat blind. Now he walks with Jesus, with his sight. Because I like to shorten names, I refer to this guy as Bart. It's Bartimaeus. Bart's good for me. Bart uses the phrase, not son of man, but Bart uses the phrase, son of David. Son of David. And primarily this title, son of David, refers back to the genealogy of Christ, that he came through the lineage of David, by the way, that's the same David, the Bathsheba David. Okay, that's not, the perfect, that's not perfect David. There is no such thing as perfect David. He, he's referring back to the physical genealogy. It's a, it's a title of, it's pointing back to the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. That you, Jesus, are the fulfillment of what we heard about all the way back. From the days of David and the days of Saul and the days of Solomon. It's referring back to his messianic title. People would refer to Jesus as the son of David when they meant that he was that long-awaited deliverer. He was the promised one, the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Calling him the son of David here, Bart is expressing his faith that Jesus was the promised Messiah. And may I say this, folks, I want to put it in context in 2021. Many, many, not all, many, many of, of national Jews have not come to that realization. That Jesus was the son of David. You do understand that. That the separation between biblical Christianity and Judaism of today is that the Jews are still awaiting their Messiah. And this was a big deal. Maybe not just overlook this. Bartimaeus declares him to be the promised Messiah. And it is what is separating currently those that practice the Judaism as a faith. It is what's is separating them from having a relationship with their creator God is that they will not acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah, as the promised one. And so this is important as he acknowledges him, the promised Messiah. He believed in the promised Messiah For healing. And Jesus healed and restored his sight. And may I say this as I apply this to our lives? The first application this morning is if we're gonna follow Jesus, we must be willing to be a servant. The second application this morning is that if we're gonna follow Jesus, he wants to heal and he wants to restore if we just believe. Man, that's been an awesome theme in Mark, hasn't it? Jesus wants to heal, he wants to restore, he wants to bring whole. Everything in your life, if we will believe. What is the statement that we've made over and over again? Jesus wants to do incredible things through simple acts of faith. And here's another one. What was Bartimaeus' act of faith? Son of David. No response. Son of David. That was his act of faith. He was the man at Hillendale Road in 85 who has the sign. He's the man at Guest Road at the bottom there of the hill with the sign, right? I mean, he's begging. And his simple act of faith was declaring Jesus to be the promised Messiah and crying out for healing and deliverance. And may I say this morning that we serve a God who wants to heal and deliver. And it might not be that you're blind and you ask God to, to give you your sight back and your sight comes back immediately. That might not be the way that he heals you. It may not be that your healing this morning is something physical that, that turns up beautiful immediately. He can do that. I believe he does do that. But that, that might not be your healing. Your healing this morning may be a broken heart. Your healing this morning may be a mended relationship in need. Your healing this morning may be something very spiritual. It may be something very emotional. It may be something mental this morning. He wants to heal those who will simply reach out in faith. The portrait of our Savior is that he's a servant. The portrait of our Savior is a healer. He's a restorer. He's a mender. There's nothing broken that He cannot put back together. And I want us to see. Thirdly, we've seen the servant Savior. We've seen the healing and restoring Savior. We're actually going to back up. I wanted this to be my third point today. <clears throat> Mark chapter ten, to verse thirty-two. I want us to see the risen Savior the risen Savior. And I I put this at the end for a reason. Mark chapter 10, and look back in verse 32. Now, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the 12 aside again. He's done this before. And he began to tell them the things that would happen to him as he had done before. Verse 33, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man, he refers to himself again in his humanity, the Son of Man, will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and they will scourge him. They will spit on him and kill him. And the third day, he will rise again. Jesus, as he had done before, again, predicts his death, his beating, his death, his resurrection. We obviously know the significance of the resurrection. It's a part of the the core elements of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. 1 Corinthians tells us that very plainly and clearly, that it is an element of the gospel this morning. We also know as far as history is concerned that it is the most incredible happening in history. A man dying for three days and rising again on his own power. Maybe the only thing that could even be in the realm of possibility is a little baby being born to a virgin. Just so happens to be the same guy, Jesus. The most incredible happening in human history, in my opinion, is the resurrection of Christ. One B, it's probably the virgin birth of Christ, as if there really needs to be a ranking system. But what is awesome about this and why I I love the way this fits in the context of the the verses that are to follow that we've already covered, is, is, is this right here, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is what begins to empower us to serve like Jesus, to experience healing and restoration like Jesus, Listen, he died and was buried, but he rose again. The death and the, and the burial of Christ uh, pictures us in our flesh and us in our sin and us in our death and us in our hell. That was all buried. That was all put away. But he didn't just come to take those away from us. He rose again to show us how to live life abundant to the full. He rose so that we could live like Jesus. Jesus rose so that we had a pattern of living a resurrected life. And that resurrected life doesn't look like walking around and waving to people. It doesn't look like seeing how much we can get on ourselves. No, the resurrected life looks like serving people. It looks like healing the broken. It looks like being there to be a part of those miracles where people are restored to their creator or restored to uh, personal relationships or whatever it may be. Living like Jesus begins with the resurrection. The risen Christ this morning, you see, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I'm not going to sing; it's not even one of my favorite hymns. But I serve a risen Savior. If I served a Savior this morning, that I could take you to His tomb and we could put flowers there on the anniversary of His of His death, folks. I'm I've got no. Got no interest in that. Today we serve a Savior. We can be taken to his grave and his grave is just a bunch of stones. We can walk in and we can see the place where he, he laid. And I don't know what your struggle is this morning. I don't know what you were dealing with in your life this morning. But I can say this. Trying to be the healer yourself ain't gonna work trying to be the servant yourself, man, you're going to get burnt out. But resting in and living in and abiding in the resurrected power of Jesus in your life, giving you abundant life to live to the full, the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead, living in and through your life this morning, then yes, you can go serve. You can serve in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you can experience restoration and healing, and you can even help bring that to other people. Yes, you can, not in your own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because he rose from the dead. That resurrection power that brought Jesus back to life is the same power that lives inside of you and lives inside of me. It's the reason why Jesus in his physical body could say in the book of John that after I leave this earth, you're going to do even greater things than he did. Because of the Holy Spirit and the power of the resurrection. So now we can begin to serve. We can begin to to restore. We can begin to live this life abundant in this world that's so dark and so lost. And no, it's not in our power. It's not in how much we can do. It's not how much we can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. No, it's by the resurrection power of Jesus. You know what he did? He left this earth. Acts chapter 1 tells us. He resurrected. He saw a few people for a couple months. And he resurrected. And what did he leave us? His spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He left us his spirit. And this morning we live either walking by our flesh or we live walking by the Spirit of Jesus. And I say as we profile Jesus, as we look at our Savior, may our statement be not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. The resurrected power of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. I want our church to be a church full of people who want to live like Jesus. People who live in the resurrection power of Jesus. And I believe that'll be a church that looks like, hey, how can we serve? Hey, listen, there's there's a there's something broken and over here in this situation. Man, how can we how can we restore that? How can we heal that? Hey, there's there's a need over here. There's There's something that's just broken over here. Man, I want to restore it. May we be a church full of people. Not doing that in our own might. Not doing that in our own power. But because of the resurrection of Jesus and the abundant life he gives in his spirit. May we live like Jesus. Heavenly Father thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystone If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.